and welcome to Wendy's Words of Wisdom. Our very excitable guest in front of me this week is the gorgeous Sarah Bonetto. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Wendy Wayson. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? You brought I'm coffee. so great. You I did bring coffee. coffee. Oh, but, you know, I was kind of late on the way, so I was like, I've got to, yeah, get apology coffee. And it's quite a niche order, too. Yeah. I was like, I, it's got to be hazelnut. It's got to have soy. And it's like, bizarre, isn't it? And then I picked up this lovely little mango passion fruit frozen delight. It's like a piece of heaven. And I was trying to extol its virtues to you and say, it's just full of all natural mangoes, Wendy. Like, they fell into a cup by way of a freezer. And you were like, it's mm. mostly sugar. <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you, but it probably is mostly sugar. I'm just sugar. like, la, 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 can't hear you. <laughs> mangoes, it's mangoes. La, one of my five a day. If one of my five a day was sucrose. Well, you know. I, I, I didn't realise that. I remember once eating um, meringue, saying I'm doing the Atkins diet, so um, I'm going to eat meringue because eggs are protein. And I'm going... You know the sugar's a carbohydrate, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no. Damn. But anyway, welcome to Words of Wisdom. As hey. um, as I've briefly explained, it's not my words of wisdom at all. It's stuff that you've have, uh, you've discovered and you're going to educate oh, me Oh, well, I'm so famed for my wisdom. Well, you are. You're wit- wisdom. <laughs> uh, can you I... had a really interesting morning this morning. Oh, Talk I really that. did. Well, um, I went to this little kind of event thing uh, by a rooftop pool, uh, which was like kind of rooftop pool yeah it was kind of like this gourmet breakfast in and by the pool and they hired a man to dress as a mermaid a merman a mermaid a merman Mm -hmm. Uh, now what was really interesting about that is he had to stay in the pool for three hours dressed as a merman wearing this giant plastic fin which was beautifully sort of tailored to his body and he was telling me about that to use olive oil down his waist and legs to get him into it he had to be like you know, had to, is it rubber? Was it rubber? Rubber, rubber. And, uh, and then he was saying that they had imported it from the United States. A Hollywood costume maker had to have it made. To his Just exact so he could dimension. sit in a pool in London for three hours. Thousands of pounds for the postage alone, he said. And then they were sending it back to Just for the one Hollywood. Day. Just for the three hours, Wendy. And I have to say, the really funny thing was, poor old Merman by the end had very pruny fingers because he'd been in there for three hours. And I was like, was he buddy, are cold? you okay? It was a really lovely morning. Yeah, was lovely and sunny, but I, and also it's a little sad when I saw him take off the rubber fin because I was like, oh, Did I thought you were in front of you. Well, yeah, it was a little sad. I felt like a kid, That's you like know, meeting Disney characters Santa... getting out of costume. Yes, right. Santa calls without his beard. I was like, what are you doing? So he was peeling it off, and I was like, I thought you were a. Oh, <laughs> this has been a lie. I like the idea though of merman just kicking about. The brilliant thing about it was, I guess, because the shape. Uh, of a merman or a mermaid, you know, that fin or whatever, you know, that, that, that physique, I guess, uh-huh. of a fish or of a, or of a dolphin, a mammal mm-hmm. or whatever, they're designed for swimming. So he was so sleek in the pool. He was actually swimming around and he would like do one kick and traverse the length of the pool and look so elegant. I was like, that's oh, amazing. Which I look so sophisticated fish. in the pool. I watched a film when I was a wee kid and a girl lay in the bath and turned into a dolphin. <laughs> and my mum said that I used to lie in the bath for hours just Hoping. trying to turn mm. into a dolphin. Yeah. It never quite happened for me. I think I used to I used to hope for things like that. It's funny those like universal things that kids wish for. Always wanted a horse. Of course, I totally now don't want a horse and I can see that that would have been a stupid thing. Did you ever ride? Uh, I did ride on friends' horses, but uh, we did not have the space for a horse. Space. <laughs> Although, in saying that, we had a one-acre block. That not like exactly. Massive? So we had like a one-acre block, but I guess you'd have to then take the horse out every day. And once I guess the pet becomes a laborious chore, kids are less interested. <laughs> They're like, "What? Uh, I have to muck this thing out." I hate this um, horse. When I was with my, uh, I used to sort of take little shines to people, and I used to always want to buy people presents. And the one thing I used to say, I used to turn to them, and go, "I'm going to buy you a horse." 
because obviously it was the most expensive thing mm. I could think of. Mm. And my my mum and dad be like, she really likes you. <laughs> She's gonna buy you a horse. You're you, you're winning. <laughs> my, I owe so many horses. <laughs> you do, you yeah. do. And people are gonna come. <laughs> They're gonna come yeah, knocking at my door. Uh, I believe the stuff when you say when you're around twelve years of age is legally binding. So that's unfortunate. <laughs> so many horses. <laughs> I um my thing I used to say when I was a kid. I used to genuinely believe this too. Someone was really special to me, really nice. Or they said something that sort of boosted my confidence or they believed in me because I used to dream of being an actress as a kid. Oh, did you? And did I still kind of do. And I think this whole you... stand-up comedy thing is maybe a deviation from, you know. But I used to dream of that. But it's not that big a deviation from acting, is it? Uh, oh, no, no, absolutely not. And I think yeah. the two things complement each other. Um, uh, but for me, it's a fun, you know, I'm still, yeah, I still, I still have my dreams, you know. Um, but I used to say, I remember on the, the school bus, I was talking to a girl, Angela, and Angela said to me, I think you could be an actress. And I remember saying to Angela, you're going in the Oscars speech. Like, that's what it used to be Aww. for me as a kid. I was like, I've seen the TV and I know what happens. You know, you have to sort of cry a little bit. Thank you, mom. Thank God. Yeah. But not too much. Not like Gwyneth Paltrow. No. Just and then all your friends who really helped you get there and believed in you. So, Angela, you're on the list. It. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so touched. And I remember thinking her response was, she so believed it was going to happen for me. And I'm like, I have to do this now for Angela. I can't even remember <laughs> her surname. <laughs> but I have to say, though, you know, it's not much of a deviation acting comedy. But this morning, um, my husband was, got offered a job, you know. He's an actor, as oh. you know. Got phone rang, you offered it, and they just sent him the script. And I had a, a real pang as I was sitting, you know, sitting over my Edinburgh show, straining it, deciding which which is funny. If it's like, yeah, this is if, what we're doing now. The Wendy, fear yeah. or the peril is funnier. Is a funnier word to say in a sentence. And then <laughs> he just gets sent. Sure. A, yeah, he gets sent a script, and I'm like. Say. just drops in your lap <laughs> literally like the kids thought it yeah. would happen <laughs> and you spend all your life conditioning children no that's not actually you have to work hard yeah. you have to Steven. study <laughs> well see I well, really about work. work he's done a lot of work so I mean I'm, I'm not I don't I'm not resenting my husband that I does sound like we're saying we're being, being flippant about I've been locked in a room going well I don't know if this is funny anymore and somebody else just getting handed a script and me going ah oh. Fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> but we chose this. But we chose We've it. made we our did. bed we and we intend to wallow in it. Yeah, only because no one will give me a job as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is in these situations, if you're going to make your bed and lie in it, it may as well be a water bed with like yeah. lots of fluffy cushions, yeah. rose you petals. You might as well be in it a lot. Yeah, which brings me to my present. You can have this in your bed later on if you present. like. That sounds like a very sexy thing. It's okay, not that. Don't worry. Lower your expectations. Okay. This is going to be... Okay. Um, do you know what, Sarah? Sarah you. you brought me a present. You're going in the speech. <laughs> Really? Oh, wow. And now you see this, and now you're like, well, it's just an icy cold box Because I figured you're a professional lady. Obvs, you can't drink in the middle of the day. However, it's got orange juice. One of your five a day. One of my five a day. And you know I love to drink things that are healthy, so. Wow. Yeah, so it's um, icy cold. Icy cold box. I think we'll have to sample. Let's sample it after, shall sure. we? Because yeah. I have to. And also, there's a football match on tonight. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. You're sorted. Game. Yeah. You... There's a football match on every night. My friend calls things like Bucks Fizz or Fizz. WKD or all those sort of things. She calls them bitch pop, which I think is a brilliant term. Like I'm just drinking my bitch pop. It's a wine-based cocktail with white wine and. I'll oh, never read. The, never read the, um, the. Thank you so much. The notes <laughs> on a Bucks Fizz. Ooh, yeah. Woody. Mm. <laughs> Um, I had lunch with Catherine Ryan the other day there, and she had fa- we, we we were we had a chav 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 bellini, which was Ooh. white wine with Fanta. 
And what? It- <laughs> I've never heard that. <gasps> That's crazy. It was really, it was really not, not advisable. Oh. We're like, I wonder what this would taste like. Okay, we know what it tastes like now. We won't be doing <laughs> that again. Oh, really? So yeah. no, no, no. No, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the classic drink you'd think it'd be. lemonade, like a spritzer then, maybe? Possibly. But because in Spain they drink red wine and lemonade. Like a citrus spritzer. That's a tint isn't it? So no, can't do it. My um, godfather used to drink Coca-Cola mixed with Iron Brew. Okay. Um, because he didn't nice. want he, he didn't want to drink and he's, when his wife died he didn't want to be sat on his own drinking wine because he thought that was a sort of road to mm. alcoholism. Mm. So he used to have um, half Coke, half, oh. half half Iron Brew which is com- it's completely not mental at all, is it? <laughs> no. I guess it's a nice coping mechanism. It's <laughs> oh, my special drink. That's oh. a special drink oh. when he's in oh, on his tongue. My godfather used to do this thing with them. Um, uh, people that come around the door and selling du- um, double glazing, mm. they knock on the door and he'd come in and say, "Oh, in you come," and he'd chat, and chat, because he was like, he was, he was eighty-five mm. when he died, and they'd come round and he'd chat to them and chat to them and chat to them and get, and then they'd get to the sort of, so are you going to buy any double glazing? And he'd say, "No, no, 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 I had no intention of buying double glazing. <laughs> I'm just wasting your time in the way that you waste most other people's time." Wow. Like, wow. Wow. But it's only when you're 85 that you've got the time to do that to kind do that. of time wasting. Well, this is why I think um, so many uh, people who are of that age, retirement age, enter competitions and win competitions. It's predominantly uh, bored or unemployed or, you know, retired elderly people that win the competition because they just pour over the magazines and rip off the soup labels and send them off in envelopes. And it's just incredible. Who has the yeah. time? I, have the, I don't have the time for that life laundry, let alone. Was it you that coined the phrase life laundry? No. Someone told me the name the phrase life laundry. Um, anybody who else is listening to this might have it might have popped up on the podcast before. But someone refers to all that admin of, you know, yeah. paying bills and credit cards oh, and God. blah 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 and blah 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 as, as life laundry. I've started entering those things on my to do list because I just feel like there is n- I know people say there are never enough hours in the day and you have three children you know you have several you know professional things going on as well and now a wonderful podcast to maintain so you know because what (laughs) i feel like your life needed wendy was more work so hi Um, it's amazing how much you can do if you're doing loads if you're doing nothing you barely have time to watch six hours of tv a day never when i was office temping a few years ago never did i maximize an hour more than i did on that lunch break you're out there you're like bang straight to the bank go to the post office send a thing it's just incredible yeah I think you can knock off loads when you're when you need to, mm-hmm. but I think when you're, a, you know, a stand-up or an actor or whatever, you have these long sprawling days where you're just like, well, I could get to the bank today, but oof, I'm not sure I've got time. Might might push that into tomorrow, and you're just like, yeah. How and the day the week runs away with you. I only I make plans Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because I know by Thursday, Friday, I'll be catching up on all the shit I haven't done I Monday, do. Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> well, on my to-do list, it's moved from like meet with Wendy or. Um, go and talk to that agent or go to the gig in the evening or do the yeah. show or whatever. It's moved to um, go on internet banking and pay bill, wash laundry. Uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, because then I feel like, yeah, ticking things up. My dad, my, my, things my, the up. first thing on my dad's to-do list every day was brush teeth because mm. then he, 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 have, he has a list. Really? He, he said, the best thing about it is I get to cross something oh, off so before I leave the house. Yeah, because the problem was not that I wasn't achieving enough. It was that I had to lower my expectations. <laughs> Just put easier, more achievable <laughs> things. Oh, put on shoes. Yeah, winner. <laughs> Sorry, can't talk, Wendy. So busy. I'm what busy are you achieving. doing? I'm busy achieving. I'm straightening my fringe. God. <laughs> Tick. Done. <laughs> Nailing it. <laughs> hey, Barrick. I'm going to sort out that problem in the Middle East. Just sort of start giving advice to people and be like, the thing is you're not organized enough. Yeah. In my life. prioritize. And, yeah, yeah. and fringe straightening comes first. Yeah. Um, anything that's blown your mind this week? 
Anything fabulous, um, interesting, amazing? Probably. Oh, um, you can edit this bit, right? <laughs> no, just I'm just anything that piques your interest. No, I'm not like we we're, were talking about. Um, what were we talking about just before you, you came on? We said oh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. I can't remember what you said. Oh yeah. Oh, your theme song. So I don't My know. My theme song. Do you want me to play it? It's I, I brilliant. Find, well, I didn't find it. It's actually on Breaking Bad. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Love Breaking. Okay, now here's the thing. I'm towards the end of season five. I'm so near the end. Okay. But I find it a bit of a. There's a bit of a Breaking Bad gloom that descends over you if you're watching it late at night after a gig or something. You're like, oh god, why do I feel so tense? Oh god, why is everything? Oh yeah, I've just been you watching. See, Breaking I'd Bad. rather that though because at least in Breaking Bad, you kind of. I kind of feel like he's brought quite a lot of it on himself. I don't like it when shit happens to people that haven't done mm, anything. Jesse. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? Jesse. He just, just wants to get on yeah, straight and narrow, Wendy. Yeah, but remember, I'm not at the end, so I don't know yet. Oh, God, I'm not oh, going to um, There's going to be no spoilers from me, but um, this, is for, this is from season two. I complain quite a lot that there's never any glamorous Wendy. There's always glamorous Sarahs around. There's like Sarah Silverman oh. and loads of other glamorous Sarahs. Oh, yeah. There's very rarely... We, I had Wendy Richards, who was pulling in EastEnders. Mm-hmm. There was Wendy James from Trans- Transvision hot, Man. She was hot. hot. She was the only hot Wendy that I know. Everyone else apart from Where that. are they now, Transvision Man? I don't know. Like three or four really cool Rocky Pop singles back then. I remember hearing really salacious stories about her and going, like in primary school and going, yeah. apparently she's really bad because she kissed a guy at a gig and she let him put her... I remember this. The rumour about her when we were in school, primary school, was uh-huh. that she'd let a boy put his hands in her skirt at like at a gig or after a gig and like it was in all the newspapers and we were like wow that's so naughty and now you're like, <laughs> They're like oh, she was just doing what all was, the boy yeah, rock stars that's do that's Friday <laughs> I know that's Friday for most women <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is come on happy drink Friday. your bucks beers enjoy no, it I did like the transmission fan but yeah in and terms now of I Wendy's. look back and I think totally you know empowered woman you yeah know? Yeah, sorry. So Wendy's. Here's the theme, the, the song. That, the, but the, the the Wendy on Breaking Bad is a meth a meth addict. She's a hooker. So she is meth addict. And when she appears, this song appears too. But I want oh. I want it because it's lovely. Here we go. By the Association. Nice. It's great. It's really great. And I think, like, you know, it's yours to resurrect as well. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if it says a lot about my ego that I feel I need a theme tune. <laughs> I have to say this. Disappointingly, most of the Sarah songs are duds. Oh, the really? Bob Dylan one wobbles on forever. And then there's, is it Starship? Have a song called Sarah. And the lyrics are something like this. Like, it's got that classic sort of soft rock 80s chorus the voice uh-huh. is cut, the guy's like Sarah Sarah no storm clouds are brewing in your eyes oh so nice and cheery yeah it's kind of like intense man she's oh. like she's damaged you know so anyway it's quite and but all through the 80s in primary school uh and then into secondary people just sang that at me and I was like yeah, if anything this song's a little appropriate I'm a kid oh, really? <laughs> it's obviously like yeah no time is a good time for goodbye but I love 1980s and 90s I look I love all music oh god that sounds like someone who doesn't like music isn't that ironic when people no. go I love it all name a band you like I can't do you like rock music oh, I totally love rock music 
But I went to see my mm-hmm. most. Would you like to hear about my most recent? Band? I do. Tell me And I've seen most. some incredible stuff. You know stuff. so much about music. Well, this is a really funny thing. But I'm very obvious. I'm very honest. Sorry about loving stuff that some people might think is a bit naff. Uh, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. I think if you like something, you should like it. I remember Sing it my loud sister, and proud. When, when my sister was about 12, 14, no, she must be about 12. And for Christmas, she wanted East 17, Stay Another Day. Mm-hmm. And I was, there's eight years between us, so mm-hmm. I was like 28 university. And I bought her this single and she was like, oh, I think I love it, I think I love it. And I was like, oh, it's so not cool. And she went, why is it not cool? And I said, it's just not a cool band, Victoria. And she went, but music's about listening to what you like, and yeah, I yeah. like this. And you know when you're totally slammed by someone yeah, who's much yeah. younger, like, oh, damn. it's fair enough. It's actually fair enough. Because well, I've got the music the day... taste of a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Well, I remember the day, in it was mid-primary school, uh, and the kind of kid, kid I was and the kind of kid my friends were was quite an innocent girl, and I had lots of friends, and I was happy. And I used to sort of climb trees, dig in the sand pit, run around. Um, and I was very sort of innocent. And I remember uh, the day that this girl, Suzanne Patterson, and in my mind's eye, the memory plays out like this. She walks out in the playground to a group of us who have a mask because she's quite cool and she's sort of the captain of the netball team and she's really All pretty. Cool she's yeah. really funny, but she's got a little bit of a nasty side to her. And that's my first sort of introduction to this kind of competitive teenage girl thing. And she came out and we were like, hey, Suzanne's going to make an announcement. And this is how I remember it, right? That she declared to the group of people amassed in the playground that now it was time to stop messing around and playing kiss chasey and like, you know, climbing trees and whatever. And that now we had to worry about being popular. And she said this word that we, we were like, what's popular? And how old were you? What's popular? About 12, 13. Wow. Oh, 12, actually, yeah. And we went, what's popular? And then she was like, it's like Reeboks. You have to have Reeboks or an Esprit t-shirt. That means you're popular. And it was so weird because it was commodified and it was associated Uh with a product, a thing, a brand name. And we were like, okay, cool. And I remember this girl was like, yeah, I don't think that sounds stupid to me. And then that girl was like, she learned her lesson. She was excluded from parties for the next year. Oh, no. Well, the funny thing is, because I was like, okay, I have to get Reeboks. And I went home and I said to my mum, I have to have Reeboks. And I remember mum was saying, why do you have to have Reeboks? And I was like, because then I won't be popular. And I remember her saying, what's popular? And I was like, I don't know, (laughs) but I gotta be it. It's incredible. It's so bizarre. I remember like my parents just not buying into any of that sort of label stuff at all and asking for a Nike, a Nike, um, Kagul sort of, Mm. uh, you know, a little anorak jacket thing. Yeah. And it had grey in the top and black in the bottom. Mm. And I really, really wanted this 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 Nike yeah. jacket. Oh, Suzanne would have loved you. And my dad bought me a grey jacket, with identical, but it didn't have the Nike swoosh on. Now. And I was kind of like, oh. And did you, what did you do? Did you take that to school? I took it to school and didn't wear it. It's so funny you say that. Because that's what I think our parents would have really got on. That's what they did to me. They bought a fake Esprit t-shirt. Fake, actually. Oh, with an actual fake. Like, you know, Esprit, but from the market or whatever. And like a really nice top. Because my mum thought, that's absolutely rubbish. And I remember the argument. I remember saying to mum. You don't understand. You don't understand. And then she was like, why does it have to, like, it says Esprit. You know, and like, she said, they're all, all the same, these t-shirts. It's the same thing. And I remember saying to my mum, it's about the quality of the weave. <laughs> and I was 12. She's like, what's a weave? <laughs> I don't know, but Suzanne says, like, Suzanne, and that, it was a kind of school where the girls now? would check, 
if they suspected it wasn't real, they would check the back of your neck to read the tag, the brand name. Like, is it oh real? Oh, my God. It's real. Well, you, did you go to an expensive, uh, like a post school? I went to a private school, a Catholic oh. school. It wasn't all girls, but it was super bitchy. <laughs> Fun. But it, um, so they, were, they were financially aware then. Because at my school, there was... Around um, that time. I went to a, a, a public, you know, a private school, but what we call a public school mm. here. But I was, my parents saved up and made a sacrifice for me to go to that school. Mm. So when I'd come home and go, they're going on a ski trip. Can I go? They'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh um, God! Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I was aware that mm. it was a huge privilege for me to be at that school. So, yeah. I wasn't going to be able to run with that, you know, sort of set that we're getting. Yeah. But I remember as once my dad bought me. Do you remember those? Um, that there were sort of um, maths cases, protractor set. What, yeah. what are they called? Like sort of with a compass and a protractor yeah. and a set square and yeah. all that sort of all the stuff. Geom- that's a geometry set, hugely geometry relevant set. in later yes. life. Thank God hugely, we learned that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, my dad, they, everyone had an Oxford geometry set, and I wanted a geom- an Oxford geometry set. And Dad went and got me one again from the market. Yeah, but mine was a Dixford yep. geometry set. Was oh, a Oxford Dixford? No, no, brilliant. Just, brilliant. Just DX Ford. Oh. Okay, sounds like a rapper. I like DX Ford. Yeah, I had that thing of going well. I can't be ungrateful because my dad spent money getting me this. But I know they love me, want. but they do not understand yeah. the realities of the real world. Let me explain it to you, Dad. Well, it's about the quality diary. of the weave. I find <laughs> the quality of the protractor. The um, I found a diary of mine when I was, I must have been about 15, 14, 15. And I, I read it last week because one of my school friends came down to stay with me and I was like, I found a diary. And there was one girl at school that we were just completely like, oh, she's started up again. And just, <laughs> we weren't really, I don't remember not liking her. And I remember we so we hung out every day. But obviously we were snip, you know, we were bitching about her behind her mm. back. It was awful. But um, in the diary I've written, mum just doesn't understand about, I think it was some girl called Jennifer. Um, and I swear... I will always remember how important it is to my daughter when if I get if I ever have a daughter I'll, I'll I swear I'll remember how important things are to her. Aww. So when she comes home from school I kind of go god 14 year old Wendy needs me to be going oh really so the, and nobody spoke to you oh I no I can't believe that <laughs> she said what about your skirt shall, oh. we, shall we go for a coffee and discuss it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah well because at the time that's your most that's your world yeah you know that's your everything and so it's it is so big so important the Reeboks were so important, Wendy. Remember that? It was just crazy. There was a, special, there was a certain look, wasn't there? Reeboks and sort of little short leg warmers. And it's so weird because I kind of got on with the sporty kids, but I wasn't particularly sporty. Not bad at it, it just wasn't, you know. I got along with the sort of academic kids, kids and the outsiders and... Did you really? have all those sets and like the sort of like you know how yeah the sets see, yeah it wasn't so much so sort of in my school there was a sort of floating around but it, it was very, sort of defined, very defined very defined but there were a couple of us who were quite gregarious and got on with everybody floated between groups now I was like that and the really funny thing is the outsiders from my school who were the like kind of freaky dudes like they just eschewed all that stuff about Reeboks and whatever they were like oh I got my 10 pound or 10 dollar Dunlops on and my knee you know socks pulled up to my knees and a massive sweater on and I don't care what anyone thinks and like a headband on my hair you know crazy kind of really and now are the coolest dudes in the world really one was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford and she now works in marine biology and she's incredibly hot and all the boys want her and you're kind of like oh yeah well done kind of people people transform and you've got to keep an eye on those outsiders at school that would be a really wonderful thing I think 
to impart to your you know to any children nowadays if you feel bullied or whatever look around you there are other people in the shadows you may not be noticing that are really wonderful people that will go on to blow all of you away because it's never the sporty jocks that end up as you know these incredible I know have we not have you not seen enough American teen movies it tells you in all the teen movies (laughs) yeah that's true yeah they oh no they're always yeah but that's it I think yeah, primary school. A boy left my my school when he was fourteen because he was signed by Hibs and he went away to play football. Holy heck! And I've never heard from heard of him again. I don't know. I don't oh, know what he's doing now? The, ma- the did, majesty of Google. We could quite simply find out, couldn't we? <laughs> I see. Like, if I could remember his name, I'd do that. I had to block a friend from primary school who I hardly knew. I had to block her on Facebook. First person. Apparently, people do that a lot nowadays. I find it really hard because I just feel so awkward about what if they find out I've blocked them. But I blocked, blocked this them girl. Or just hidden their feed. Got rid of her. Deleted as All a right. friend, which feels again. I'm such a softie. I'm kind of like I can't do it. But um. She had to go. She was uh, talking about our new right-wing government and how oh, no. they were trying to keep away the, the boat people and th- uh, th- using terms like them with a capital T, you know, them, they come here and they take up. And it was like, oh, I see you. I laughed. I wrote on her face. I went, oh, this is hilarious or whatever. Uh, ha, ha. And she went, I'm deadly serious. And I, oh. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I said, I'm done. so, yeah, I'm going to need to go now. And it was just... <gasps> Because I can't, I mean, there's a real problem with that in Australia. There's a real problem of, I think, which is why UKIP has obviously had a bit of a moment at the moment here because they are um, appealing to people who feel forgotten by the and current fear, major parties. Preying on this isn't fear, the answer. Isn't it? Oh, totally. And so in Australia, that that is working quite well as well, unfortunately. Which is people interesting like, given that everyone well, in Australia. Yeah, I voted for these guys because I felt like I wanted to send a message. Did you? Do you really think that's going to work? Because you're the working class who are going to need things like the NHS and free schools and you aren't going to have them anymore because you're going with, they're eroding Medicare, which is our NHS in Australia too. So things like that, women's rights are really being challenged there now by this right-wing government. You think, you fools, do you think these people give a shit about you? They definitely don't. You will be the victims and you think they're your champions. What a shame. But it's it's an interesting message to send. (laughs) Who's the message to? Yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, what the boat people think of me. <laughs> um, the weird, the weird thing about like NHS and all these sort of healthcare things has been so good that they've kept so many people alive that we're now, you know, financially, there needs to be some method of re- of, of addressing how it's being funded because it's still funded. It's all centered around hospitals, and that's not how it works anymore because there's so mm. many other factors involved. Yeah, I mean it's complex, but I kind of think, you know. And it's the same thing about, I've got friends who probably, and I don't know if I call them friends, but people in my life I've known, and sometimes they're family, because you can't get rid of family, can you? (laughs) But, you know, people, I'm talking about extended family, I guess, who are problematic, uh, where they hold quite staunch views on things where it's not that they're right or wrong. I guess it's that they lack a humanity. Well, there's that kind of thing where, like, sort of old people say things, and you kind of go, "Am I going to say to you, you can't say that is racist?" Yeah. And then they're going to be upset. I mean, but yeah, yesterday I had a weird thing. It's like sort of challenging, challenging um, opinions that you you have or that you believe. A guy came up to me yesterday and said to me, "Your bum looks really nice in those jeans." <laughs> and I went, "You can't. Why do you think that's okay for you to?" Were say Were you with the kids at the time? No, I was on my own. Mm. But, he, but I said to him, "Why do you think that's okay to say that to me?" Mm. You know, I'm giving you a compliment. And I was like, "Well, it's not a compliment." You feel that you can come Objectifying up... Objectifying me, yeah. Yeah, you're just passing comment on me. Mm. 
And uh, he was like, well, what, how would you feel if I said something rude? And I said, well, I'd probably or feel don't exactly say that. the same. I'd probably feel exactly the same. Yeah. And then he went, um, I'm good looking anyway. I've got a girlfriend. So uh, like, <laughs> he twisted that. I thought, what? Oh, it was a really complex neg. He was trying to neg you. You know that technique where they insult you just to get you to like them? That was so well, So he was saying my bum was nice, so I was supposed to be yeah. grateful for his... Yeah. And I got a girlfriend. Back off, love. And they're like, how did this become... Whoa. <laughs> I was like, wow. That sort of ran at 60 miles an hour in there. Bizarre. But I did, but I've done it a couple of times more when you sort of challenge something that somebody thinks you're going to appreciate. I'm not going to appreciate a strange mm. man. Yeah, that's really interesting. And the thing about being approached on the streets, always concerning, isn't it? Like, I think what London's taught me is you just keep moving <laughs> because if you stop, because I think, and so this, there's a good example of this. I was out with a friend, a lovely comedian called Beck Hill the other night, and we were walking along and stopped to chat in lovely Camden Passage in Angel, which is also little boutiques and antique shops and yeah. stuff. And uh, a lady who was maybe 60, 70, uh, looked a little scruffy, wasn't really sure what's going on, a bit scatty, a bit erratic in her physicality, you know, mm-hmm. kind of twitching and stuff. She came up, oh, excuse me, and you think, oh, crap because we'd stopped you see mm-hmm. now if I'm walking I'll always say oh I'm sorry or whatever now I don't particularly have a hard line I don't have a policy with homeless people I might give money very it's very situation it's case by case basis Wendy okay <laughs> like it's situational so it depends on I'm do I feel safe am I alone am I a woman alone in an alleyway at 4am that's concerning but sometimes I feel like oh but what's really interesting is, so we gave this lady some money and she went on with the spiel about, oh, just that, you know, my power's off at home and I need to buy some eggs for my son. And we were like, oh God, of course, you know, whatever. But I was thinking, it's fine. <laughs> You've got, you know, yeah. we're still, you know. But I, friends and family members who might have quite a hard line on home, oh, you know, they're just going to use it on drugs. Like, you haven't yeah. worked that out. I'm like, you know what? I can, I don't even need to believe her story. But if I feel like I have... I, at the end of the day, I have more money than this lady. So I win if it's about that. You know, like, yeah. like you know what? Like, so someone in my family is a little like that, quite hard line. Like, oh, you know, they're just going to, they're just going to spend a, Oh, and then I saw that lady the next day and she was saying the same thing. So it's, aha, it was a scam. And you're like, <sighs> but this is kind of, no, no, if it is a scam, they're at a place where they have to go up to strangers on the street and ask for money. So and there I you go. I can't imagine. In fact, that's a great opening gambit. Soul. Hi, I'm the kind of person who has to approach people on the street. Can that's you what it's come to. Yeah, I mean, I kind Even of if feel it is like. A scam. Well, I remember someone saying to me about the guy in Leicester Square tube that has bare feet in winter and goes, "Oh, please, I just need some money for some shoes." And my friend was like, "Oh, I saw he had a bag behind him and had shoes in it." Ha ha ha! And I thought, he's still. Begging. With no shoes yeah, on in yeah, winter. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah, still winter yeah. and his feet are still cold, whether it's willing or whatever. And I don't but even know if I buy that. People go, you know, some of these people own their own houses. And you're like, really? I really? just, I feel like, should we take such a hard, hard line with people that are so desperate they feel they need to do that? I don't, so if I give money and it's not always, it's I'll sometimes just, but I'll always acknowledge because I feel like to just see through someone or be like, ugh, about them is... That's where I think we, I we have, have a problem with humanity. I'll I always say sorry, mate. I have a problem with people who stop you on the street and asking for money for a charity and mm. then can be a little bit rude or sniffy with you if you say no because I give to charity, but I, 
I've got three kids and I work. I can't afford to give no. money to everyone that stops no. me on the street. But when they go, all like, no, thanks very much. And you think, yeah. do you know what, dude? You're getting paid to do this. Yeah, yeah, So don't, yeah, yeah. don't expect my generosity to be boundless. I do, yeah, yeah. I do what I can. I but think, yeah, I'd rather give I've, money I've to had a homeless lot of person than sarcasm. someone's going to mug me like yeah. a charity mugger. It's quite an aggressive tactic, isn't it? I think it's quite an, an odd one for the... But it must work if, I guess, if they're doing it. It's mm. bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah. Do you have any charities like, oh, did you see that cool thing this year, this week that um, Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield did? Did you no, see that? No, no. So they were having dinner in a, or lunch in New York and they saw loads of paparazzi outside. Mm-hmm. So they held up, the, they walked on the streets and they held up these signs that said, hey guys, we're having our dinner and we noticed that you were outside and let's, why, 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 don't, why don't we do this? Um, we don't really need the attention, but there's lots of great charities here that do. And Andrew oh. Garfield had another... I'm tearing oh. up. That was lovely. And they had all these charities written down that they thought... Oh. And then every report oh. had a link to the charities. Oh, my days. That's great. So what you've said now is not only is he really hot and a great actor, <laughs> but he's also that kind of guy. Stop it, Wendy. I know. I need to meet Andrew Garfield. Not, but he's got a girlfriend, Sarah. He's going out with Emma Stone. Oh, of Did course. All right. I'm, I'm open. I'm listen. open to... We'll, we'll talk, Emma. Andrew, if you're listening. I'm cool. It's a little fun. I am so sorry. That was incredibly disrespectful. It's funny, like, when you're watching a movie or, or a band or whatever with friends and... Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We got a little intro. <laughs> the problem with the podcast, doing it at home with three children, is that you can say, don't knock on the door to all the children, and inevitably it's my mother who knocks on the door <laughs> <laughs> and um, interrupts the podcast. But yes, I where think were it's we? Funny. Andrew Garfield? Well, I always think it's funny uh, when you're at a gig with friends or you're watching a movie or whatever, and and you can... I guess you know you'll jokingly say with friends oh, you'll point at the actor or the band or whatever and go would totally would like it's on the cards like and I found myself I, I was on Twitter right I don't know if you've heard of it it's a popular website I believe so yeah um, <laughs> www.twitter.com um, so I was on that the other day and there was something that everyone was tweeting about I can't remember someone hot and I was like would about which the yeah. actor and then I, I had to send another tweet just saying respectfully with permission <laughs> Like you yeah. can't just assume they're up for it. Like that is that presumptuous. Thing, is it, is it disrespectful to say that someone's because like it's not disrespectful to say that someone's husband's attractive, but it is disrespectful to suggest that you might sleep with them while they're with that person. Oh, especially when it's all caps. All caps shows intent. It was oh, kind really? of like word <laughs> gonna. <laughs> I think the subtext is all, all caps. The subtext is going is to. That, yeah, this is definitely on the card happening. Yeah. If only there was a font that could let you know whether, you know, there's like oh. a sarcastic font or um, I'm only joking font or... Uh... Yeah, okay. Um, I think Times New Roman is super serious. Super serious. It's that's happening. like the news. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely happening. I think Maybe Comic Sans of... is, I don't mean any of this. <laughs> I might be a bit mental. <laughs> that might be like Honey Boo Child sort of font of choice. Yeah, yeah. Comic Sans. Uh... But, um... So we were talking about Andrew Garfield. We we're talking about other other like. Do you have a list? We were talking this the other day. Because oh, somebody do. said to me, "Do you do you have a list?" And I was kind of, mm-hmm. like, "I don't have a list." Particularly because the industry my husband and I are in, you get to meet these people. The, time, the times yeah. that you kind of bump into someone, you're like, "Oh my god!" For this week, this week I was um, at the Kerrang Awards. That's how this. Ooh, this I is interesting to me. Presented an award yeah. at the Kerrang Awards, which mm. was so bizarre. Initially, I mean, there was about three or four phone calls going, saying, "Are you sure they want me to do this?" Because, <laughs> um, but 
But it was Do you think they thought you were Wendy James? I'm, oh my god, that's it. They must have been you so know disappointed. One. They're like, I hope she's wearing a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all queue up and put our hands down. It. Oh god, I've let the whole of Kerrang down. And there was a girl there who just looked really huffy and grumpy, and I was thinking, what's wrong with her? And I realised my age because it was Taylor Momsen. Who's just huffy? She just looks I, huffy. I've heard the name, but I. She's like the hottest girl in rock at the minute. Oh, but she does. She's would. the hottest girl in rock who doesn't smile. Oh, but then I, I don't see. know if that's a cool thing. Or is she like the Kristen Stewart of that? Pot blonde and sort of leather pants, oh. like tall and thin and leather pants. Well, leather pants and... is confident, isn't it? That's like yeah. the merman tale of is rock. It? Yeah, especially in a woman. Just to pull yourself. Do you think yeah. she used olive oil? I don't know. <laughs> there might have been rubber, and then then it would be, have to be talc, wouldn't it? Just spray them on. It's easier. <laughs> But um, there was a, there was a Ramon there. there oh my days! Deep Purple was there. Yeah, okay, that's Slade great. Slade were there. Mm, they that's were good. saying they got an award, and it was probably um, they, they did say this this is a we can't believe you're still alive award. <laughs> now, <laughs> kind of like, mm, yeah. This brings me to my most recent gig I went to watch, Tell and me. I see all the best bands, loads of up and coming and interesting stuff. I enjoy electronica, I enjoy indie, I enjoy rock, I enjoy alt folk, all sorts of interesting mm-hmm. genres. But my last band, my last live experience, I should say, was Billy Ocean. And Caribbean Queen. I'm not, I'm, yes, I'm not even embarrassed because, as I said, you shouldn't have guilty pleasures. You either like it or you don't like it, you know. So I like it. I like, and I've always loved Billy Ocean because I guess I was an 80s baby. So I, I knew all the words to all the songs. And what in fact, other songs did Billy Ocean do? Uh, he did so many. Oh, Wendy, strap in. Okay, so he did okay. Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. Oh, I know that one. Get he Out did, of My Dreams. Yes, he did uh, When the Going Gets Tough. Oh, yes. Right, he did uh, Caribbean Queen. That, that was the one that he um, did, the boys did. Love Only Hearts Without You. Okay, yeah. And you break up. And he did Love a Boy. And that's my favourite. And it's a lesser known Billy Ocean song, but I know all the words and all the sound effects. <laughs> it, I, like, seriously, I used to listen to it on my little cassette Sony Walkman as a kid over and over and over. And I think my parents thought I was going mental, but I just love Billy Ocean. And and it was my dream to see him live. I just kind of forgot about Billy Ocean. Where and then my, live? Well, my friend Guy is a wonderful radio DJ from Brighton. And he put up some Facebook status about, oh, hey, so I must be the hip happening dude because this week I'm seeing, and he listed all these bands and it was people like Billy Ocean, Slade, whatever, like all these, and he said, you know, and for more top tips on the latest up and coming bands, come <laughs> and see me. And I was like, that's funny, but seriously, Billy Ocean. And he said, well, it's, you know, comps through the radio station. I can get you a ticket if you like. And I was like, oh my God. Now we went, I would say I went straight up passionately, but slightly ironically because I'm aware and Looking around the audience, everyone was like your mum and your auntie kind of thing. Oh, we were really? like brilliant, right? And we were singing along and we had our pints and we were kind of really getting into it. And there's no coolness there and nobody's concerned with being cool. So you can just get it, on with it. You just went it. for it. It was yeah. so cool. And the best thing about it was Guy and I, and Guy's in his early 40s, sorry, Guy. And I, oh, actually, no, you're not even, are you? Are you? I'm not sure if you have. Anyway, but um, uh, he, yeah. So anyway, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not 19 not anymore. Yeah. But we were looking around the audience going, we are the coolest the sexiest and the youngest people in the room <laughs> and that never happens but we're looking around and then towards the end of the gig I looked at Guy and he his jaw dropped and he was like oh and he had this sort of like he'd seen a ghost this this ashen face on and I went well, what is it and he went look and he pointed over to the other side of the room and there was this really young hot 20 couple 20 20 year old sort of indie boy and indie girl looking couple and I thought it's like us but 10 years ago they looked so attractive and we were like god damn it <laughs> Who the hell are you? Get out! Um, but it was Where so was good. Where was Billy Ocean on? Uh, in like, <laughs> I texted Guy to say, oh, hey, so I'm heading 
to to the venue now where will i find you in the arena and he just replied arena <laughs> just get rid of that impression right now Aww. and we went in and it was kind of like a community hall which you can imagine You're maybe kidding. they do kind of like yoga by day <laughs> and play the ocean by night and play the ocean by night for all the mums it was you know still lots and lots of people um i love it when you go to a gig and you're kind of like wow i went to see public enemy at brilliant. the royal festival hall mm. and i was i don't think there was a black face in the audience mm. it was like just all interesting isn't it yeah middle class white people don't believe the hype yeah that's interesting you know the thing about billy ocean was he would be singing along and he was wasn't getting... singing along he was leading the song <laughs> Oh yeah, because this is actually you were the singing along. I well, there were times where I wonder about that, Wendy. He may well have just been accompanying me for the for the people in a ten person perimeter of me. It really was the Sarah Bonetto okay, show okay. with backing vocals from Ocean. There, <laughs> he'd be singing his own songs, which is fine. Um, and you would get this weird feeling. I don't know if it was the booze or just I was in a great place or just having a lovely time with my friend Guy. But you'd be kind of like, God, tell you what. This is such an incredible rendition of this song. It really sound he sounds like Billy Ocean. Then you realise he is it's Billy, Billy Ocean. Ocean. It's actual yeah. Billy Ocean from the eighties, but I'm hearing him live right in front of me. His voice is incredible. He's still totally on form. He's brilliant. And he was working the crowd afterwards. <laughs> Again, maybe the pints. Afterwards we were leaving. There were loads of ladies trying to get backstage. He was tr- they were trying to mob him and he really? did not seem like that kind of guy at all. He was like very respectful and sort of went straight backstage. But there were people trying to talk to the security and they were like, No, I'm <gasps> sorry. And so Guy and I went up That's as a couple funny. to this security guard who was all on his own. And we went up and we said very straight facedly, um, excuse me, do you know if Billy Joel is coming out to sign autographs? And then he looked at Guy and I and he said, oh, I'm sorry, that that's not Billy Joel. And then I looked at Guy and I was like, then who the hell did we just watch? <laughs> No, we just walked off, but we did not laugh. And that's the key because that's a joke just for us and the man. Because the man's going to go home and go, do you know? Do you know what happened? The entire concert. Seriously. And they didn't even, they weren't joking. They did not laugh. <laughs> I love Aww. the idea that we left that with him. Bless him. Yeah, he's people great. Feel, people feel really bad for you guys. The, well, I like that his voice is still okay. I went to see Andy Williams and his voice had gone. It was kind of like, mm, Right. Oh, his that's voice a bummer. Gone. But I tell you who was amazing that I saw live was... um. Oh god, what's his name? He's like um, Paul Anka. I saw Paul. Do you know Paul Anka? No. Is? What does Paul Anka? He's sort of swing, and he does it like he's, he's from like the Rat Pack era, oh. and knew all that lot. But um, he's a proper little. Sh- I mean, he's tiny, but like started the show in the audience, Did and, like you? walked across the oh, seats. Oh, I like Just that. Pro- yeah. This is what I find really interesting about Prince at the moment, and I think there are so many big name acts who could learn a lesson from what Prince is currently doing. Now, I was in Australia at Adelaide Fringe in Melbourne and stuff. So, unfortunately, when all this was kicking off, I was on the other side of the planet. What a shame. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was doing these little free or six-quid gigs at tiny venues around London, just spontaneous ones. Mm-hmm. He would announce them on the night or the day before, and you could just How go down and get in the get queue. Tickets? So you would get in the queue and just wait out the front, and it would just be like first come, first serve, or, you know, various different things for different venues, but like the electric ballroom and other tiny spaces for no money or six quid or something. And... Apparently his voice is incredible. He's still got the moves. He's playing all the guitar parts and three hour long gigs. Like the guy loves to gig. That's what's different. I think it's not about the money or it doesn't appear to be. It's about like, I want to be up here. And while I still kind of want to be 
you know, I'm in the moment. It's electric for me, you know. It's pretty cool that he sort of addressed... There's so many jobs where... And I kind of always think people start doing their jobs because, like, for example, nurses or doctors, mm. they start because they enjoy the contact with the, par- the, the patients yep. and they enjoy working with people. Mm. And then the more qualified you get, the further away from that initial thing... That's interesting, isn't it? You, you, you get. Yeah. And then it kind of, it kind of loses its flavour. And I think it must be the same for, like, people like Prince. I saw him in Hampton Park in Glasgow massive big mm. stadium gig and it was great he was great a bed came out of the sky oh my he, days he writhed on it with like it was like diamonds the diamonds and pearls tour I think it was oh I can so see that yeah and he did all that kind of stuff and it was kind of he was just like this guy way in, in the distance yeah and I, like even when you see I saw Seinfeld at um, the O2 oh yeah and it's kind of like we, you're a comic and I know uh, being a comic there's nothing quite like that rush of gigging yeah. and, and being able to see the faces of the audience I which are why which is why I think it's really important to come back and address that to prove you still got it. Because I saw Seinfeld at the comedy store. I was with you, lunatic. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I don't know if you went. Then I was like, oh, hang on, i got a strange feeling about this. <laughs> but what's that, 400 people? It was great. Brilliant. It's great. Chatty, improvised bits. A couple of bits that they just went, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but when I, because you, te- I was pregnant with Riley. I was pregnant yeah. with my youngest. And you texted yeah. me saying Seinfeld's closing the store. That's it. Yes. Um, I remember him walking on stage and like people clap, like American tourists applauding and not knowing if it was really him or not. Because they hadn't told the audience. It was special guests. Now, we knew, the comics knew backstage, but the audience hadn't been told. And then he just walked yeah. on and, and he was like, like oh, oh, this oh, is oh my God, oh, my God. Because he got like people three just... minutes of applause before he actually said anything, Because people were just laughing at the situation. Like, oh, this cannot be... <gasps> Who is... No way, yeah, no yeah. way. They lost Brilliant. their shit, It was such they? a magical lost night, wasn't their it? Shit. And then he got on going, I know, this is crazy, I made it already, what am I doing here? Amazing. And that's the brilliant thing is when artists uh, who can play stadiums, like Prince, you know, those songs stand up in a stadium because he's that good and they're mm. that good. But it's lovely when they address that and go, just so you know, just drop it in to prove something. Yeah. A boom, nailed it. <laughs> See ya, suckers. <laughs> Tell all your friends. But then he did that thing though, where he was like, and now I want to bring on. And it's also, he's obviously a really successful comic in the States. And he was like, and now I want to bring on a really good friend of mine. And we all went, Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to see you really <laughs> It's like when a band is like, "Thank you, you've been so brilliant." Now from our new album, oh, uh, God. no. <laughs> but that's it. So I think like it's really funny. You think about bands of that magnitude, f- level of fame, mm-hmm. uh, artists of around that era. So people like an age, maybe like Madonna, U two, people like that. Oh my God, they could totally learn from the lessons of Prince. Imagine if Madonna did a pub gig in Camden this weekend and like prove she could just sing with an acoustic guitar and a mic not that she plays guitar but you know what I mean like real instrumentation she did play the guitar on what that American Python oh and such yeah. a great version of that song and <laughs> um, or like you too could scale it back to electric ballroom level and I think like what they're lacking is credibility people hate on you two quite a lot and I used to love you two as a kid growing up and I feel like boys you don't need any more money. Yeah. What you need is credibility. And I know that they, they're still recording albums, so you know they still want it. That's all you have to do. Secret gigs, tiny gigs. I've got a little bit of a problem with Bono, I think. I remember like, a friend oh, of mine met Bono. Tax. And she was pregnant. Oh. Well, well, tax is one thing, but just being a bit of a dick is another. Mm. Um, and I think it must be hard to keep your ego in check. I see all these kids spiralling out of control, like Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus. And I think, I know, I understand. I understand mm. why you're like that. Yeah. But if some, if it happens for someone when they're in their mid-twenties, I think, fucking, what's wrong with you? Man yeah. up. And um, my f- mate was pregnant and uh, she met Bono and Bono put his hand on her tummy and said, I bless this child. Whoa. 
Which kind of is what, the only Whoa. person who says that is the Pope, I think. Messiah complex. Do you know March? what I mean? He does have a bit of a Messiah complex, doesn't he? Africa, I'm here for you. Oh, thank you. I love that old that joke and is it that joking double? What about your country that's collapsed without your said, tax? Um, when he's going every time I click my fingers. Have you heard that joke? <laughs> yes. A child in Africa dies. And someone <laughs> heckled. Then stop clicking. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> but that's it. I think. And look, artistically, you look at a band like that, and. And this is the case for so many of them. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions, actually, but this is the case for so many of these big bands. They were never better than when they were poor and hungry. That first album, you know, like, yeah. people forget that you 2 were just past post-punk, like t- the timing of this. So mm-hmm. that first couple of albums is two-minute-long songs, these poor, hungry, like, little Gloria or, you know, like, Boy and War and October, yeah. those early U2 albums were like the Cure's early albums. So that's so weird, but they were contemporaries. And then they deviated, obviously. Yeah. Um, the Cure, my favourite band. Um, I, I would just say that at this juncture. But yeah, like, I, I just think... remember the Cure and Simple Minds and U2. Uh, whenever yeah. I went on holiday to Europe when I was 14, any one of those songs came on and I was like elbowed out of the way by a bunch of teenage French boys. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Am I ever going to be able to get a dance to U2? <laughs> <laughs> Having an elbow in my head. <laughs> Oh, damn Who it. Who would you like to see in a, obviously the, the Cure, you'd like to see them in a, a, a I was going to say in a small class. I, yeah, and I'll tell you this, Uslington Academy, have you seen anything there? No. It has all the charm of a basketball stadium. It's like a small, Where like polished floorboards, a big rectangle basically. It's a bit banal, but it's Where in near it? the cinema. It's part of that complex, the oh, N1 right. centre. Okay, yeah. So um, I saw the Cure do a charity gig uh, a few years ago. Um and you had to dress up as your favourite rock star or pop star. And it would have been about, it, there would have been about 300 people in that space. And they played for three and a half hours. And it's really funny because I've heard Robert Smith uh, um, interviewed and someone said to him, oh, you're very you know, good to your fans. And he said, oh, how do you mean? And he said, well, um, you know, you always sign autographs or you, you're very generous, you know, with you give out your rider or you welcome people backstage or, you know, you're very kind and chat to people. But um, also, you know, when you perform live, you, all, you always do a set that's at least three, four hours time, you know, four mm-hmm. hours long sometimes. And Robert Smith said, oh, I suppose, yeah. And he goes, but the thing is this, you forget that like a lot of our songs, you know, we had a lot of, hit sing, song, singles and you know either charting or people's favorites so the love cats or in between days or just like heaven or boys don't cry and he said once you put them all together we're hitting about three hours long before we even get to here's our new material <laughs> here's a b-side people are like they didn't play love cats mm, like they will murder yeah. the people will murder me if i don't play let's go to bed or whatever that. i'm humble it's not that i want to play a long gig it's just that i've had so many hits <laughs> all I, right I, I, wind your neck please don't be angry robert smith if i if i paraphrased you <laughs> incorrectly there but no, i do believe that was the gist of what you were saying uh, oh my god like talking of that lesser known twitter thing we, yeah. um the other night there i, I was on we did, went to karaoke as, as occasionally we'll do on the way home and when it beckons us in and um Someone put on Fairground Attraction and I sang Perfect. And I was like, I can sing this. Oh, sing this my song. God. Great song. So um, have you done Friday I'm In Love? That's, it's a no, karaoke with a live I, band. Maybe with... <gasps> what? No, I don't know. It's a, they do it in a... That, it's the one that... Remember that um, YouTube footage of Jon Snow singing Park Life went viral? Yeah, brilliant. That was a Friday I'm In Love. Uh, so they're doing it at the Edinburgh Festival. 
So I emailed. Also named after a Cure song. Gotta gotta go to this night. So I tweeted the guy who runs it. I was like, guess what? Because the last time he saw me, I was in a karaoke place singing the Scottish rap version of Ignition. Great. Obviously, it's the remit to Ignition, hot and fresh out the kitchen. Anyway, so I emailed, I tweeted and went, oh, I can now say, I've got another song. I can sing Fairground (laughs) Attraction. Perfect. And somebody else tweeted, oh, I fucking hate that song. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible song. And some of the guys like, yeah, I hate charming. it. I hate it too. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. So I Googled the name of the person who hated the song and who had who was now following me on Twitter. And it's the guy from Fairground Attraction. He was being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, oh my God, can you imagine? I'm going, I know, but you know, it just suits my voice. Yeah, what if you're, it is actually yeah, quite it's terrible. It's a terrible song. It's but, my guilty know, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed to like it. Yeah, it's terrible. No, that, it's a great song. And actually, I don't even think I loved it as a kid, but I love it in retrospect because it, you know, reminds me of a time. Yeah. I tell you what is of that era and is a cracking karaoke song. Not everyone thinks of it, but when you bring it out, everyone knows it and sings along and it's, you, you only need a limited vocal range, okay. but it used to sound great with this song. Manic Monday. Manic Monday is a good song. Yeah, we've got that one. Just strong, strong, strong karaoke song. And the other one that we sang the other night, which was really good and I've not heard it for ages, is that, um, I was going to say Young Nine Inch Nails Closer. Not, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that, uh, I have actually sung that at a Aztec goth. Camera. Uh, as Somewhere in my heart, oh, there is a star that shines for you. Bing, I can't believe we're singing on a podcast. It's terrible. Yeah, people are just like, Good I am out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you listen to Wendy's podcast? I stopped around the time you were talking about karaoke. Oh, I wonder why that was. Hey, guys. So this is a lock-in. From now on, it's the hardcore. This is the premium that, content. <laughs> we know that you're with us. So let's talk sex. No, no. Um, <laughs> I love that. What is your karaoke go-to song? Uh, yeah, Manic Monday. Manic Monday, always. Uh, strong, fun, great. Yep. Um, my friend was singing an ACDC song at karaoke at the Adelaide Fringe. And again, it was a late night impromptu thing because it's never forward planned, is it? No mm. one's ever like, oh, in four weeks we shall meet at 10 p.m. to a civilized session of karaoke. It's just like, a, yeah. karaoke, oy, and you all go. Um, so we ended up there. And my friend sang an ACDC song. And after she was like, oh, God. It's very bad to try and sing like yeah. Angus Young. You're kind of like, ah! So, yeah, she damaged herself. Thunderstruck it was. Great oh song, God. though. Great. You don't want to injure yourself singing a song. <laughs> I'm doing it again on God. Now we're, re- we're now in the lock-in, lock-in. Okay, lock-in, lock-in. Yep. This is the VIP, VIP era. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think, what's your best gig that you've ever been to see? Can we exclude The Cure Ooh. from it? Because if they're your favourite band, yeah, you're going to be heavily weighted in that answer. Like, the favourite gig you've seen apart from The Cure? Oh, um, it might be uh, the Arcade Fire one where I've talked about this on stage quite a lot. I feel <laughs> I feel bored of the story myself, but it is it was an amazing time for me. I couldn't. Aff- well, I couldn't get tickets at the time that the gig went on sale. So very, they did like this sort of scale back small gig in oh, what was it called? Portchester Hall in um, oh, Notting Hill. Tiny, yeah, tiny, it's yeah. Uh, sort of gilded mirrors, floor to ceiling, you know, gold, yeah, gorgeous it's stuff, and red room. velvet, everything, and a couple hundred people. And uh, no, I mean, you just, and tickets are on eBay for hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And on the night, my friend Lola and I went down, stood in the snow, and just asking people in the queue, Oh, you don't have a spare, do you? No, okay, fine. Anyway, um, uh, security was sort of saying, Look, you need to get out of the way, you know, just you block it. I was like, Of course, of course, we'll just dump to the side. So people knew that we were looking for a ticket and 
I don't know why or how, but my friend Lola gave up and walked away. But about 15 minutes later, I thought, yeah, I'll just go because it's getting dull now. I walked off and I looked down the side of the venue and down the back of the sort of like alleyway that's down the side of the venue, a door opened and this head peeked out and this kind of silhouette of a man waved at me. And I thought, that's weird. It looks like he's waving at me. And then the sort of light from the street lamp caught his face and I could see it was the lead singer of Arcade Fire Shut I thought up. oh my god and I could hear sort of this dull thud from inside the building and I knew that the support man was on so I'm like it's they're narrowly you know about to be on and so he waved at me and said come with me and so I ran and there was another guy a little kid who like a 16 year old who was trying to get a ticket as well who shouldn't have been out of the house alone and I told him why like I'd been talking to him earlier that it. night I on the street like I've got a ticket but you should really go home now yeah what are you doing <laughs> crazy <laughs> This isn't how you do it. And he's like, then what are you doing here? Ah, shut up. So you go in with the lead singer of Arcade Fire. So, well, this this is the, what I feel is like the most exciting bit was for that 16 year old kid who had lied to his parents. I was like, where are you supposed to be? And he said, I told them I was at maths club. And he didn't even have a jacket on. It was in snow shivering. He's like, how do I get in? I'm like, I don't know. didn't have a jacket on. Well, he was still in the area. And we looked down the alleyway as I was running down to Wynn Butler, the lead singer. I looked back and I saw the kid still out on the, I was like, quick, quick, come here. And so we grabbed him and pulled him in to the doorway. And what was really funny was I don't think he saw the lead singer before he saw me. So he just sees me going quick down an alleyway. And then I grabbed him by the wrist and pulled him in like some oh, kind dear. of sexual cougar. It was kind of like, come here. And he's like, oh, really be gentle on me. I'm like, oh God. Anyway, but then we, in the darkness, complete darkness, because this wasn't an entrance supposed to be used in that building. It was all it's like untethered cables, Sarah. completely dark. And I was like, oh my God, there was like, do you know, just discarded ephemera all over the floor like chairs and clutter and we we're like oh god you know tripping over stuff and then the lead singer just started laughing he was like really excited he's very tall and he's looking down in the darkness just going okay so just grab hold of me and like he had this sort of military jacket well, on how it. did he know you were there he just i think they do this at a few of their gigs they sneak out go come in because it'll be people that couldn't get a ticket that are like oh um are there any returns no okay so he'll sneak in whoever he can grab i think it's amazing because he just makes someone's what an incredible band so then they snuck us in he like put the kid's hand and one of my hands this is in the darkness like made us grab either side of his military jacket because he knew the way he was like just hold on and follow me we were like oh, and we were just crying with laughter and the kid's like oh my god oh my god <laughs> so we went through and then we got up like into the bowels of the building where there was you know lights and normal stuff and we started running behind him and he's like quick 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 and then we went and he took us into the band's dressing room and they were all there his wife's in the band too Regine Chassan they chucked us a couple of beers and I'm like yay oh I don't think the kid's over 18 that's fine <laughs> whatever let's just make his night yeah so we went into the gig uh, like the lead singer sort of was like run down there go through that door go left and right don't look back don't get caught we're like okay 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 so we ran down we did that and we literally just opened a door went through a red velvet curtain and we were in the venue surrounded by other punters just having their pints drinking chatting waiting for the band to go on and we were like they have no idea what we've just seen oh, they have wow. no idea that on the other side of this wall is the band like just whatever so we just they walked on it was incredible about two songs in I felt this hand on my hand and I looked down and it was like the kid because he had no one with him he had never he was alone right and I was like oh my god I'm basically now someone's guardian (laughs) but I looked down and he had sort of like tears in his eyes and I said what what's wrong and he goes I just I've never been to a gig before is this what they're like and I was like not always (laughs) I cannot guarantee this will always happen it was just incredible what a band I love them I love them I'm tearing I like that story yeah more more that sort of fell out my heart yeah and I think like that's that kid's first band that's his first first band story 
what's really weird is I talked about this in my show about being lucky. It was called Seven yeah, yeah. was Lucky. So I wrote a show about winning stuff and being in the right place at the right time. Uh-huh. So I've had a lifetime of that kind of thing. Yeah. Always winning things and always in the right place at the right time. Do you think um, that's attitude or actual luck? A bit of both. Okay. And that's what the show explored. But I talked about that experience in that show. And after the show, one night in Melbourne, of all places, mm-hmm. I came out and our venue staff said to me, you know, you know, you know what it's like when you do a live show. You and your tech sort of pack up the stuff at the end of the show. The audience has left and, you know, you're behind closed doors. You just pack it away. You chat mm-hmm. about how the show went and you leave night after night. And, and I walked out and the, the, uh, the um, venue manager came in and said, oh, there's a couple who've waited to speak to you. And I went, oh, so my tech and I walked out of the venue and there they were, a couple in their sort of 30s. And I said, oh, hello. And they said, oh, um, Sarah, we wanted to say thanks for the show. We enjoyed it. But also we wanted to mention that, um, uh, you know, the, the lady said, oh, my husband's a teacher. We're from the UK. And I said, oh, brilliant. You're on holidays. <laughs> she goes, yeah. And he said, one of my students who would be about 16, 17, came to school one day with a story about having seen Arcade Fire and the lead singer snuck him in the night before. And I used to teach in Bayswater and I was like, shut up. (laughs) Oh my God, you know the kid. So yeah, I found out a few details about him, but I never, you know, obviously really did anything about it. But the kid is out there. It's so exciting. Yeah. And what are the chances? His school teacher is going to be in my class. I love those random coincidences. I always feel like when I get loads of those in succession, buy a lottery ticket. And I never buy them. I had never bought them in my life because I'm aware it's like gambling. It's not... The odds are so slim. It's a scam to to, to poor people to, to tax, tax on the poor exactly yeah, to tax on poor people. people. So I would never casinos, all that stuff. No, 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 no. And then to prove it to a friend who used to buy it every week oh, no. on our lunch break, <laughs> and I was like, "Why do you waste this money?" Like every Friday, she would buy a lottery ticket, and so I said, "Look, I'll buy one, one with you, and if I don't win, which I won't, and you won't either." then you've got to promise me you'll never you'll never buy another lottery ticket because you could reinvest that money oh, into something. No. What happened? How much did you win? Well, we went in like the next Wednesday and she put her ticket in the machine and as usual it went bum bum and she's like, oh well, same again next week, thanks, you know, for next week's game and the lady's like, sure, that's 280 and I'm like, no, you promised and she's like, well, you know, whatever and so then I put my ticket in the machine and the machine went da 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 did like a little dance on the fucking table and I, on the ca- you know on the cash I was like what 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 um what have I won and then the lady started whispering like the two cash register lady cashiers cashiers uh-huh. um started whispering and I heard one of them say what have you got Bev what have you got in your till because I don't think I can quite pay that out and she's like no I've only got a grand what have you got and I was like oh my god oh so my I won 5k god. yeah 5k that's quite and I felt like my argument you won five thousand dollars just on a whim first ticket i'd ever bought ah, it is odd isn't it five thousand dollars five thousand dollars yeah my god mm. that's quite a win sarah it's quite a win it's quite a win weird things like that happen to me all the time i want a car on a game show yeah it's and we mad. only get to this now and i didn't know this so you want a car what car did you win i want a mitsubishi mirage and then i sold it and this is the really interesting thing at the time, at Motorship Dealers in Australia, because my dad was going to help me sell it because it was too much money to keep. I mean, that is crazy when you're a student. You like how much was the car worth? The car was worth sixteen thousand seven hundred. Oh my god! So we sold it for sixteen. Going fine, you know, it, it's brand new. And actually, the person who bought it in the newspaper that dates me, doesn't it? <laughs> the newspaper where you sell cars. <laughs> um, you know, they could actually dictate the color. Like it was literally going to come from the dealer. 
as to their specs. So it was actually a brand new car. So really, right, yeah. you know. So, so I got close to the original deal. price, but a little bit cheaper. And then the week after, Mitsubishi Mirages went on sale at all dealerships for 15K. So I was like, oh, right. I made a grand over oh what it was God. worth the next week. It was crazy. So just mad, mad stuff. Things fall in my lap. But then I think I get the best of both worlds. I get all the good luck and all the bad luck because a year later in my beat up studenty car, I had a very serious car accident. I get real extremes of luck and I'm sh- look, there's, is there anything in it? I don't know, but I, yeah. Yeah. I was in hospital for two months strung up and oh my God. yeah, it's just weird. It's, you know, I have this really interesting luck graph. If you were to chart it over, the, it'd be up, down, up, down. It just, it would like, a little flat line. <laughs> like it was the rest of us. My friends already before I'd won half this stuff, my friends at university used to joke, like we'd be, uh, I don't know, at a quiz night or a raffle and they'd be like, Sarah will win it, Sarah will win it, Sarah will win it. I remember being at a dinner with my four girlfriends at university and saying, right, so there's this street press music magazine thing I used to read, just a free magazine every Wednesday. They're giving away a ski trip uh, for four people to the snow to Mount Buller, one of the Victorian ski ranges. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to win that because there's four of us. We should go. We should, we should go, right? And they were like, yeah, sure. You probably will. You probably will. <laughs> At next week's dinner party, I was like, yeah, we're going to the snow. That was a crazy opulent prize too. That was four people to the snow for the week. Can you enter a competition for us? I'd like to go to Vegas. Now, this is the thing. I'd like to do a girly trip to Vegas. So if you could enter a competition. Oh, I really like the sound of this. This that. is good. Yeah. You, you, I'm going to leave it with you because you're going to... There's a lot of strategy in this. You've got to be careful because the thing about the street press magazine was nobody read it. So the odds are good. So I, the way I won this, and I knew because there was a bit of forethought, I, all you had to do was send an envelope with your name and address written on the back to mm-hmm. this, you know, music magazine's, uh, you know, address, whatever. Um... And I went down to a craft store one afternoon. I was at university, had all the time mm. in the world, right? And I built, uh, I made my own envelope. So it was like a massive sort of sky blue piece of card that would be like A3, I guess, mm. or bigger, whatever. So A2. Um, and then I decorated it with this kind of 3D um uh, sort of ski scene collage and so mountain ranges and then like cotton wool to you know be clouds yeah, yeah. in the snow and then little cows and skis going going down the mountain and then I sent it in and it was what was really funny is because you kind of have to embarrass yourself a little bit to be lucky as they put it because you can't like normal people aren't going to win so essentially fucking... you're not lucky you just have no shame no shame <laughs> so because when I went into Australia Post our Royal Mail when I went into the post office I um, had to get in the queue holding this thing. And I remember a lady in the queue said to me, oh, isn't that lovely? And she looked at it and she went, how old? And I went, how old what? She went, how old's your child? And I went, uh, Noah, I made this. And she was like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, all right, all right. Let's judge more stampy, whatever. But that was, <laughs> just buy your tickets, buy your stamps and get out of here. But um, yeah, it was what was really humiliating. I really went through the ringer to win that. It was an incredible prize, but I did pay for it was the magazine, and I don't mind telling you it was Beat Magazine, this is the street press, they rang me and they said, oh, congratulations, you've won. I was like, that's brilliant. And I almost had to feign surprise because I was like, I fucking know it, mate. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I can't believe it. Mom, Dad, wow, whatever. But I was like, sure, sure, sure. So they said, oh, so um, just come in and just, you know, we'll fill out the forms or whatever it was, like, and, um, and do the prize winner's photo shoot. And I was like, so what's that? She goes... Oh, Ooh. there's a drill happening. Sorry about that, people. <laughs> yeah, they go, oh, she said, I'll oh, come in for the prize winner's photo shoot. Oh, we, we do a photo 
with you know the person who's won their prize and you'll hold up like you'll hold up your entry oh, no. I was like really and she goes oh yeah we do that and I'm like oh how embarrassing but fine okay so I go in and I'm getting <laughs> I go into reception and I say to the lady oh hi I'm here for the prize winner's photo shoot and the receptionist goes I'm sorry the what and I said oh you have to take a photo holding your entry for when you win a prize here and she goes we never do that and I said I won the ski trip and I'm not even kidding she goes <laughs> yeah 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 then we do and then she gets on the phone she's like yeah yeah she's here yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And they all come out and they oh, all took photos. No. And it was in Beat Magazine the next week and it took up half a page, a picture of me <laughs> holding this children's collar. Oh, you, you get nothing for free. <laughs> and the collar, and I remember the caption underneath it said, this is Sarah Bonetto who won the ski trip. This is her entry. Perhaps she would like to use it as a toboggan on the ski trip. I was like, ah, guys. But it was not a free ski trip. You do. That's my advice to people. If you want it, you're going to have to fight for it. But I did. And I felt like it was worth it because week in a a ski chalet, a bar tab, we couldn't finish because you're exhausted when you're skiing. We tried every night. Um, Hard to give away drinks too when you're a bunch of nubile young 20 year old women because you would go up to guys and be like, can I buy you a drink? They're like, no, baby, let me buy you one. No. You don't understand. And they're like, no, no, really, I want, and they, oh, I think they feel like they're being emasculated. You're like, let me, ah, oh. and they're like, yeah, I hear you. And you're like, no, no, not in a sex way. They're like, sure, sure, babe. So what's your name? You're like, no, I just want to give you drinks. <laughs> sure. I get it. No, you don't get, ah, oh. but it was amazing. Like, yeah, jacuzzis, the chalet was crazy. And we had like night ski passes. Well, I'll, I'll and... make do with a skiing trip, but Vegas, I think Vegas, I'm on find it. a Vegas I'm trip or a skiing trip and then we can update the lovely listeners. Wendy Wason, the next time we talk, it's going to be I'm taking you right to the show to buy a lottery trip. ticket now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming in and chatting. It's been lovely. And thank you for your tips on getting lucky. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for having me, Wendy. <laughs>